Welcome everybody to another episode of Out of Character. Uh, Cotton, you're with me. Indeed, I'm here. Good to be here, Jupiter. And I'm going to hand this over to you, Cotton, because I want you to introduce our guest. Great. And, and what we're talking about. Uh, my friend here tonight, I had uh, had him come on, Bass Hole. He is a he's in the National Guard, and we're talking about having uh, or running a tabletop game in a forward combat zone or generally generally hostile environments, which that uh, is one. So hey, say hello, Bass. Hey, how's everybody doing? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, they can't talk about you because podcast. Uh, but it was. <laughs> talking to you, man. Oh, I'll do it again. No, thanks for being on. When Cotton mentioned this to me, he's like, do you want to talk to, to my friend who, who, who did that? And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I want to talk to him. That's amazing. Because when I hear, you know, active combat zone, I'm thinking like, you know, it's it's tense. It's got to be tense, right? I mean, it's it's you don't get to relax much, right? Re- relaxing is, it's different forms. So you think active combat zone. Bullets weren't flying 24-7. Okay. That doesn't mean things weren't tense 24-7. It's just mm-hmm. at some point you got to find something else to do other than stare at the wall. Okay. And and so you then you decided to run a game. What what game did you run? So I ran, for the most part, we ran uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5e. And we brought some other games in later on. But really we started months before, right when I found out I was deploying, me and Cotton got together, you know, what can I run easily? And D and D five E had so much online stuff and something so much paper I could just bring with me to get things going. So Cotton, were you in this game as well? Or no, you just helped him like set stuff up and just kind of worked behind the scenes? We mostly talked about it beforehand, and that was where, I guess, to the extent I contributed anything, it was like us trying to hammer out ideas that he could do. I think I also liked 5e because it's like simple, you know, or it's, it's you know, wide appeal. But beyond that, I mostly just, like, received dispatches. Like, he would text me or, or call me via signal, an app, and, like, mm-hmm. tell me, like, whatever had happened. And it was always, like, the craziest stuff. <laughs> uh, he has a very interesting GM style. But, yeah, that's all I did. I just sort of, like, hammered – it helped – come up with tips and ideas on how to get it started, what he should bring, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think his his big role at the beginning was, hey, brother, I've got, you know, a square foot of bag space to get as much as I can to play a tabletop game overseas. Mm-hmm. What do I have to have to play? So, you know, we talked about dice. How much mm-hmm. dice should I bring? You know, using dice as minis as well as actually playing with the washable uh, tabletop mats, the grid map. Being a must-have was definitely something that saved my butt a lot. And went through like all the five different games we ended up playing. Every one of them ended up using this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, what was some of the uh, the gear decisions you made that you were happiest about? I mean, if someone's going to be in this situation, we want to help. Them, you know, <laughs> you never know when uh, shit might get real. So what did you know? What you know, give us give us your, a bit of a gear list? I'm you know, I'm into, I'm into the I'm into gear porn. Help me out. So my biggest thing, dice. You cannot have enough dice. Of course, you need. Everyone has their hoard of d20s and the standard roll-up of three different colored d20s and seven d6s. But I used my d6s for all my minions, and I had different sizes. So I brought like thirty little, I'd say quarter inch by quarter inch d6s, ten of the standard size that were completely different from everybody. All the dice I used for my play. And then I brought a bunch of, like I say a bunch, three to five, three-inch uh, D20s that I used for large monsters. Mm-hmm. It was just easier to 
distribute or to show size to my players. Okay. And then the the battle mat, the washable battle mat. The washable battle mat. By the way, make sure you wash it after use. Don't leave it for a week. It will stain or you'll (laughs) scrub for 10 minutes trying to get everything off. Not a good idea. That, that I'm well aware that does happen to those battle mats. I've seen many of battle mat destroyed. And then I brought my player's handbook with me uh-huh. just as a, okay. because I had so many new players, like everybody can get on their phone nowadays. But I had some guys that were, you know, a older and it's just easier to learn the game, but they can sit down with the actual copy or yes. when they say, Hey, what spell do I, or what does this spell do? Or how does this character work? I can flip to that page real quick, mm-hmm. hand it to them. Say here, this will teach you the basis of what you need to know. And we can go from there. Okay. All right. So let me ask this Bass. Have you, how, what was your game experience prior to, to running these games over overseas? How often had you GM'd? How often, how long have you been playing? What kind of games have you played in your, in, in the past? I had never GM'd a single tabletop game. I had played three, five back in college and four E when it came out, but I hated four E. It was not three, five and therefore broke my heart. I <laughs> controversial opinions, y'all. <laughs> we got them. Yeah, I know, right? And then I had done Shadow Run, which Shadow Run just, while it was fun, I don't like guns. So Shadow Run just didn't appeal to me. I like my tabletop games to have swords and shields and magic. I'm crazy. I'm in the army. I don't like guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I want to get into that a bit more, but I'll let you finish answering. Um, so that was a lot of the extent was playing in college, like I said, um, until right before deployment, when I was getting to this thing in this mode of, all right, I'm going to be running a game because this is what I want to do to kill my time. I did a lot of the roll, tw- not roll 20, um, se- zero session online, online GMing was right when COVID came out and all those things were popping up doing online games. Uh, Cotton came and played a couple with me just to see how things were working online, remind myself of some of the rules, dig back through, and that really got me back in the flow of the game. Just to remind people, or uh, I guess not remind people, but Zero Session is a company that I don't know if it's still there, out of New Orleans, that we, like, paid for. We had a pay-for game. And so I think we did one or two of those, didn't we? I think we did, um, I think we did two, and then I did, like, three or four more uh, one-shots, just jumping in and out. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then you, you're about to be deployed, and can you tell us where you were deployed to? It was in the Middle East. We'll just go with that. Middle East. Okay, let's go with that. It was in the Middle East, and you knew you had to um, spend some downtime, a lot of downtime. So you decided you're going to run a game. This is where I have a hard time wrapping my mind around this idea. Because in, in my head, this is, these are the assumptions I'm making. It's a tense atmosphere. You don't really ever truly get to relax all the way. And I'm now going to run a game, a fantasy game, where I don't know how you would ever achieve immersion into the game, because I would just think anything I put in front of these guys, they would just laugh at because they're actually dealing with real shit out here. And I'm trying to, like, you know, create tension with my bugbear. You know, like, it just seems hard, right? You got to sell that bugbear. You know? <laughs> it, it takes a lot of hard work from the GM. No, no not really. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're in that environment. That's the whole point of the game. People are so tired of the tension. They want anything they can to not worry about that. 
you know, we had 12 hour shifts. So, mm-hmm. so for my 12 hours, I am ready to go at all times to go. We did artillery to go shoot back. If something shoots at us, well, that's a very tense 12 hours. And there's only so much you can do. You can go lift weights, you can eat and you can stare at the television. Well, the other 12 hours, what am I going to do? What am I going to fill that hole that will take me away from that? Well, you know, three days a week, four days a week, we play D&D. And it's four-hour chunk where you just go in a room and roll dice and do silly voices, and it's fun. Nice. And how many people did you have at your table? Uh, and I'm, I'm from what I've heard already so far, you've, you ran multiple campaigns. Yeah, so we, had, we ended up eventually having three. But when we started out, we arrived at uh, – Fort Bliss with the first campaign, we had seven people at the table plus me. Wow. And for a first time GM, that is a lot to hold on to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That man that was, it had to be overwhelming. <laughs> were they all experienced or were they also like majority new? I had, I had three hot shit had been playing DD a lot longer than me guys. And then everybody else was either had never picked up a dice in their life mm-hmm. or, we're in that, yeah, I saw D&D in college once, or I may have played a, a one-shot with a buddy, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's just like the worst, because if it's all noobs, you can just treat them like mushrooms, you know, feed them shit and keep them in the dark. You've got, like, just <laughs> enough people to, uh, to call, call you on your bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it actually happened once, because, you know, we were in the middle of a fight, and I got a gladiator one-on-one fight with my fighter, and some random fighter, right? Mm-hmm. And they we're going to town and I was like, I, this fight's going a little easy for him. Let me try and ramp it up. And I just added an extra attack. And they were, mm. they were level four at the time. He goes, Oh, so it's a level five character, huh? They get the extra attack. And I was like, you son of a gun. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you will call me out on it. That's round three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, 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 some of those players have no problem doing that to you. They'll, they'll call you out on anything. All right. So you're a new GM killing time. Tense atmosphere. You're looking for the escape. So, like, sometimes I have people tell me that they want to run very serious games. Their games are take it super serious, no jokes, no joking around, definitely no puns. And then I have other people that are like, no, 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 I want to run a fun game, campy, you know, I, I want to do Pirates of the Caribbean, not Black Sails, that kind of a thing. I, I want to be a little more upbeat, a little more fun, a little Disney. What kind of game was yours? So the first game we went to was a, not a, I don't like strict. I do like rules as written. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that just because I, math is how my brain works. But I do, uh, the way we ran that game for the most part was a, everybody's new. So we're just going to have fun with it. We're not going to be over the harsh. We're not going to rush everybody through turns. I'm not going to set a timer out there and say, you have, to, you have 30 seconds to do your turn. Let's go. We just got in there and had fun. Once we got into the actual deployment, we had three separate games running, and they all three were different. My Monday game was my started off as a one shot, became the uh, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and ended up becoming the the most long running of the the campaigns. And that one started off with fairly novice guys, but we played every Monday for nine months. So by the end, they were some hardcore son of guns. When you talk about D and D, are Friday night game that, that I ran was started about midway through, and that was straight for novices, people who had watched us play on Mondays and go, what's that over there? So I bring them in, and I, it was very, a lot less rule-heavy, but I pushed RP a lot more. 
So I gave I gave out ACs for monsters at the beginning of combat, things like that. I didn't want to hear, hey, I rolled a 12, did that hit? Okay, I roll for 12 damage. It was, you know the monster's AC is 12, roll your dice. If you see you rolled a 13, all right, now how's your attack go? And describe that. Give me some, give me some immersion, which mm-hmm. was great for my new players, but my Monday players that kind of were supporting that, that transition was was interesting watching them go from very math oriented on Monday and very mm-hmm. immersion based on Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, our Wednesday game that I didn't run actually, I was a part of, and thank God because oh. I don't know if I could have done it. Was a five <laughs> E conversion of Moscow twenty thirty three. Uh, I believe it's a video game. I know it's a book. Uh, Post apocalypse apocalypse area in Russia, and that one was. Advanced players only, and it was 100% immersion. We didn't talk numbers. We did everything as much as possible in trying to stay in character the whole time. Okay. And that one, because of the conversion, was very much a more the higher skilled level. Used to the game, not having to worry about thinking through things. You had to know your character, and we just rolled with it the whole time. Cool. So you, uh, so you, you were, I can talk. You were a player in that third game. Yeah, I remember that now. It's all coming back to me, the various text messages. I, I just remember mostly getting texts from you about uh, the Morden, the uh, the Mad Mage thing, because like I, he would text me, he was like, "Yeah, they're using uh, kobolds as catapults now, and like as, <laughs> as 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 ammunition." And it's like we had to figure out how many kobolds we have, otherwise we're going to be out of bullets. You know, <laughs> it was like it was stuff like that, and it was such a to me. A very wacky game, and I, I tend to like more mundane things. Sam doesn't like guns, or sorry, Bass doesn't like guns, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I do. I had we doxed him. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh no, we're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Next, I find out you were in Operation Red Dawn. If only they knew we had beaten the Russians. <sighs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you were in this wacky <laughs> game, and I like I like the more mundane stuff. You don't like guns, which makes sense because if I'm in a game, it's like this is a thing called slicing the pie. You go around the corner, which you're like, that's what. Yeah, we learned this, and it was boring, and I've done the thing. You know, like it's not <laughs> it's not much of a fantasy escape for you to play soldier because mm-hmm. you, you you are what that's not yeah. as yeah. <laughs> I sit no, behind I the desk. It. I get it. I get it. I understand the whole. I don't. I don't. I don't like guns. I don't want it that in my in my. Relaxation time in my fun time. I don't want to bring that element in. I get that. I I, I can understand it. Which is weird because my favorite character is an artificer, and I'll play an artificer every time. But I never go the gun route. I always stay with the mundane mm-hmm. or magical. Um, but yeah, the kobolds. By the way, that was an awesome story. <laughs> never never offer your your party slaves. They're no. Like, <laughs> they were no. like, slavery. That's session zero. That's a. That's a that's a first order talk. So that that does bring up something then. Session zeros. Session zeros are that you know gathering of everybody that's going to play in the game and talking about what is and what's off limits and what's okay. Like you know, like I don't like you know you always have somebody that says I don't like anything that deals with kids. I don't want kids in the game. All right, great. And somebody else says I don't want anything to do with rape in the game. All right, great. And somebody else will go no spiders. Okay, great. Did, did you do that with, with your people? or? I, I, so we did a session zero uh-huh. for every game. Uh-huh. A lot of my players weren't as experienced to know they didn't want to talk about rape in their game or they didn't want to talk about horror in their game. Uh-huh. So what that session zero for the most part was talking about their characters, building the characters out, 
and kind of explaining the world to them. And if they, for some reason, told me that, you know, the world wasn't right, they didn't feel, they'd let me know, but I don't think we ever ran into that point. I also don't run those type of games for the most part. Uh-huh. I keep it very Lord of the Rings-esque. I don't go too deep in the, or the movie version, the PG-13 version. Okay. Um, I don't go too horror-y. Okay. Now, we did run a one-shot of the Aliens game, and there's some terrifyingness for you. If you ever get a chance yeah. to pick up the Aliens uh, D6 tabletop, yeah, yeah, that yeah, is no, awesome. We have done Aliens the last three Halloweens. We just wrapped up our Halloween Aliens episode. It is a fantastic game, great mechanics, and really, really will build up tension and fear quickly. I think it's a, a shit game full of bastard people who tried to kill me. Dude, and so- I did not try to kill you. Why not? I mean, uh, it's, you know. okay. <laughs> That's technically a series of words. Let's <laughs> well, be honest. Be nice. Are we yeah. allowed to have a spoilers yet? I don't know. No, like, I think they've all dropped, but I'm not sure. But we don't want to talk about aliens right now. Uh, uh, we're talking to Baz about his it's game. A, it's a fine game. Right. Anyway, it's a yes. great game. It is a great game. Back to <laughs> back to the war. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Back to the to this so you didn't really so your players were so new that they didn't know what they didn't like so what did you do like was it just a conversation that when something came up and somebody i'm uncomfortable i don't like it it was just a quick conversation or did somebody like pull you to the side and go hey i don't like this it never came up but yeah i think partly because i run a very pg game pg 13 Mm -hmm. game and partly because of the type of guys you run with in the army, I'm not saying we're not all, you know, bastard code, bastard for bastard filling, but we all have had so many things thrown at us over the last year that mm-hmm. very few things that will get past that. And it is that high, edgy, you know, rape stuff that we just stay away from anyways. It makes yeah. it simple. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I, I run that in my games. I, I don't. I'm just saying that I gave that as as the example. I don't want anybody to think I'm running dark games. But it does make me think this now. And I know you didn't play Shadowrun with your people. But I just need to ask. Because I think maybe because uh, hearing about the zero session, the lack of having to have a zero session has piqued my interest in if you were to run a Shadowrun game for these people, would they be white hats? Or would they be down to do hard crime? Let's see. So... Let's jump back to the uh, to the kobolds. Uh-huh. So they took as a prize thirty kobolds and a whole bunch of lumber and a bunch of wine casks. They then filled them with gunpowder, hooked them to the kobold, shot them across the river for the kobold to blow up with the wine cask. They used the kobolds as delivery mechanisms. I think they would have been interesting. Okay, doing with some interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I need to run games for some military guys, apparently. They're going to be the hardcore criminals I'm looking for. <laughs> they, they didn't. This, this is going to show me what the artillery is about. It's like, it's like <laughs> they, it's sort of a hammer me. If, if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. let's launch some kobolds to some people. That sounds mm-hmm. legit. <laughs> they didn't meet an RP session that they couldn't turn into combat. Ooh. Did they solve everything? Did your players solve everything with violence? I'd say 97.6% of the time. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Did you encourage it as a GM, or were there moments in your game you were like, diplomacy would be better, but okay. 
No, so towards the end, I got where I was pushing the diplomacy. Like, like <laughs> but if I ever said the words with, you know, if it sounded like a deal to them, or it made it think like there was a possible of this or else, mm-hmm. it was always or else. They just, nope, straight up. <laughs> I mean. All right, murder hobos. We, we, we like to call those people murder hobos. When they're not going to deal with diplomacy, it's always just, you know, violence, then great. I am down yeah. with the murder hobos too. And so I, I also did say in my in my zero session, I don't I'm not an alignment guy. Play your mm-hmm. character. Like if you mm-hmm. think he's a bad guy, he's a bad guy. You don't have to call him lawful evil. So okay. my paladin was a lawful evil paladin that worshiped Vecna. Didn't tell the par- the party that. Oh. So we're going through the whole party and he's just doing these off the wall things, you know, to the point of uh, we made some back door, door deals, him and me as Vecna and him without the party in the room. And he had to commit murder once a day and he had to sneak around the party to do it. And he was cool with it. Yeah. So he achieved that. So like now new GM, new players, metagaming, did it come up? Did it happen? How did you control that? So it was, it was a slight mixture of, you know, if you know the, the AC of the, the bugbear because you fought three bugbears, well, technically, yeah, your character doesn't know the AC, but your character knows the armor setup of a bugbear. Mm-hmm. So I'm good with that. If I ever see you Google it, either at the table or if I set up something like I make you think we're going to do a fight a beholder, so you next tomorrow go Google a beholder, mm-hmm. I'm going to make you pay, and I made you pay bad. <laughs> so you you punished in-game. 100%. Yeah. No, Did anybody do it? Yeah, he's a pillar, pillar of salt now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because new players need to learn. They need to learn. So I'm just curious how you, was it like, I'm going to give you a warning. Hey, that's what we call metagaming. Don't do it again. You turn him into salt. So the guy was like, how much, how much punishment am I going to get? And you said a lot. <laughs> a lot. Power word death from uh, the hand of Vecna. That, that's go. how much punishment it dealt. That's a, that's a great <laughs> biblical joke for all you, uh. You, those who grew up with with, uh, with Bible challenge. There you go. So, so yeah. how many um, how many of these players? Yeah, I'm stopping with your Bible talk. I'm sorry. I'm done. <laughs> I let you have your your soapbox for 30 seconds. We're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, how many of of your players that were new? How many do you think are are still going to play this game? How many like told you, no, when I get back, I'm, I'm going to find a group we're going to play? Or maybe they decided I'm going to try running it. I'm going to do it. So I know for a fact at least three of them will be because we're starting a game as soon as we all get back. Like We've okay. already got the characters built, so that helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I won't be running. Very happy about that. <laughs> After running games for nine months, I'm tired. I need a break. Yeah. It, it, you can get burnout pretty quick. Two games a week for nine months. That'll do it to you. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't prepare nearly as much as, say, like Cotton does. So it's a little easier for me to run two games a week. He says he prepares. He He says he prepares. He prepares by making a a drink, wine or a gin or a, I don't know. I like to think of me. He didn't say what the method was. (laughs) (laughs) There's a method of preparation, whether it's actual preparations, different conversation. The line doesn't put itself in the tumble glass. Hold on. I left my bourbon in the other room. Give me a minute. Yeah. Okay, exactly. go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> I forgot my bourbon. I went and walked over here and forgot my bourbon. Damn it. All right. By what the way, you, what, playing hmm? sober is so much different. Right? 
It is. <laughs> when they won't let wait, you have alcohol. Wait, are we drunk at all of our games? Yeah. All right. So in the Shadowrun game, there were a few nights where I was real, like I was, I was drunk, but not all the time. And I don't drink a lot when I'm running because I need to have my wits about me. But it's nice. It's a lot easier to slide into those, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. those accents when you've got a little lubrication do in there. I tried. I do they were terrible. <laughs> Give us one. What was like your best accent uh, NPC, most beloved? Go. Oh, well, I had that dwarf guy who always did the, uh, the, uh, the fancy things with the spells. He was really weird. That's, that's your that's your dwarf accent. Okay. All right. That it's I mean it's not the Scottish accent everybody else does. Oh no, because I'm terrible at that. <laughs> Meritor in my in my Monday night game does a great Scottish accent, but I hear other people try to do a dwarf accent and they try to do this, you know, Scott and it's like just stop. Just it doesn't have to they don't always have to be from Scotland. And see I like a Jamaican to, dwarf. I like to have my orcs be kinda like from from uh, South Alabama, so there's always a, <laughs> there's always a lot of slang when my orcs talk, and I'm using my blacksmiths too. Oh my goodness! Makes sense. I can see that. Wow, you were on dangerous ground. <laughs> so what? Um, we're, we're from Mississippi. We can say Jish. that. Yes. <laughs> Texas. I'm allowed. It's fine. Oh my gosh, you are not from Texas. Don't tell me. Yes, that. ma'am. No, you're from. <laughs> You're allowed to talk shit about uh, any 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 state you seceded from the union with. That's the rule that I've made up. <laughs> Is that I'm just down. now? Okay. <laughs> Patent that. I, I, I'm I'm amazed because I mean there are a lot of people that don't want to, you know, sit in that big chair and run a game. They think it's just too much. But now we're talking about not only did you do that, but you did it twice a week. In an environment that really, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, I don't think it's really conducive to gaming. But, I mean, I understand you guys, you, you're going to find your escape somehow. You have to. And, and you guys chose this. So I will say it was very hard to find the, like you said, conducive to the escape. It was very hard. There was not a single game we ran. We were not interrupted. Four or five hour session. At least one point, someone got interrupted. Because my game was not with four Joes. Yeah. I ran all logistics for the base. Another guy was in charge of all counterfire operations. The other guy was the commander of the base. If anything happened, we got pulled. So it's not like it was, hey, we're locking the door and no one talked to us for five hours. You just had to deal with it. No, because I mean, a lot of shit can go down. And where were you guys? Well, we were playing a game. <laughs> we were rolling dice. We had cold balls to explode. I'm sorry, sir. I mean, yeah, no, that's a lot of key personnel in a game. Yeah, it definitely that was. That is tough. And I, there were games where we just, you know, guys, we're, we're not getting it done today. You know, one yeah. of the Moscow games was like the second from last game of the campaign. And it was an hour in and we had been stopped five times. And we were like, you know what? We're not going to get what we want out of tonight. Mm-hmm. We're done for the night. Everybody go home, <laughs> grab a cup of coffee, get some sleep. We'll try again next Wednesday. And it took us four Wednesdays before we could finish the last two sessions for that reason. Wow. But huh. it was worth it because we didn't want to ruin the story that he had built. Mm-hmm. We're at the, the end. Let's not ruin this because we're trying to rush through the game. Yeah, we have time. Yeah, you don't time. want to rush it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I have a question. So what was it like being the GM for the commander of the base? I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. How right? much shit did you let his player character get away with? 
A, he's the godfather to my son, and B, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, like, I appreciate your position, but I, I will burk you. I just <laughs> he died. I'm tell you no. <laughs> he had to replace his character four times. Oh my god! A nine month campaign. Some what? his fault, some not. But yeah. <laughs> oh, see, I don't. I very rarely get to kill my characters in game. Oh no, no, I, I did say that during the uh, the Mad Mage one for sure. The other two, we were a little less. The yeah. Mad Mage was like, this is a long campaign. Some of you oh. have never played before. If you die, you die. Wow. If you don't. Cool. I had one character actually make it to the last session, and he died the last session. He was resurrected, but still, so he actually finally character death the last session because he was the only one to survive. Everybody else had at least two characters. I feel these new players actually went through a D&D boot camp. Like, look, this is the way it is. You're either going to live or you're going to die, and that's it. We're just going forward. Good luck. Roll well, up a new uh, character. Yeah, it was fine. Well, and and the, the setting worked out well because you're running around in a random dungeon where the Mad yeah. Mage can just pluck people out of the air and put them in there with you. Oh, okay, wow. cool. Huh. That so. sounds like a really neat sounds like a neat uh, scenario. I'm curious yeah. about your about your method of coming up with because you said you didn't prepare. Uh -huh. you, you had to do something, and you're running three games. Like I run. No, you know, he like was running two game. games, and he was two in games. one Sorry. game. Are you not listening? I was, I was listening more or less. But I, I mean, he was okay. <laughs> he was less. running two games a week, mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, I understand you don't have like a normal, or maybe you do have a normal nine to five job. I don't know the details of your average day, but like that's I a did lot not. of. You did not. Okay, <laughs> it, it, that's that's a lot of. Like so, how, how like okay, the game is on. You know, like Friday. Okay, when do you start doing anything? So. I don't know if you any of y'all have played the Mad Mage, but it's laid out in uh, levels. So when we get probably what I thought a session away from a level, I would read that level once or twice, kind of get to know what's going on, what happens on that level, and then would just go from there. So that would probably be a week out from when the game is, and then I'd have it open and we kind of run through it as we go. That was about most prep I did. Fair enough. There you go. And then as far as encounters for the fight, like, you know, probably they've ran into me a couple times where it's 30 minutes before the uh, the session starts and I'm pulling up D&D Beyond and building the encounters real quick and like screenshotting them on the uh, laptop. By the way, you know how hard it is to run a session when the power shuts out midway through every night? Oof. We had rolling restarts on our generators. So the game was from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. or 6 p.m. to... 11 p.m., somewhere in there. And every night at 9 o'clock, the power went out. Five, ten minutes, no internet, no nothing. So it was just like, and, all right, power restart. Everybody got D&D &D Beyond up? All right, let me know when we're back on. Okay, let's go. Wow. Force break. Okay. So what, what are some tips you would give people? Like, like this, If someone's going to go and they're not going to have access to things like bookstores or Amazon, you know, that maybe they're in the Amazon – uh, very far away from the reach of Bezos. What are some uh, tips and tricks and, and, and things you would tell the, uh, that person? Easiest way to do this, make it simple. Get your encounters, let everything else just go. Get your monsters, what you want the guys to fight, write them down real quick, and then just let the character, let the players build the game. You just point them in the right direction. If they get stalled, throw somebody in there to make something happen. But... If you give them enough of a world, they'll kind of bowl their way through it, and you just have to kind of work with it. What was 
biggest uh, lesson learned for you as a GM? Like maybe biggest mistake and you learned art, don't ever do that again. Don't reference a random beholder <laughs> because they spent three sessions trying to make Xanatar afraid of toast. Oh, God. <laughs> so they, they land in Skullport and, you know, has Xanatar's session in the, uh, the Dragon Heist campaign doesn't have anything to do with the Mad Mage, but it kind of takes place in the same area. So the NPCs of the area know about Xanatar and they talk about him. He runs the area. So the second they heard about it and found out, you know, my experienced player found out about it and where we were at. And he's like, oh, we have to go fuck with him. I'm like, you, you don't want that. I promise you that's not where you want to go with this. It's like, no, no, we have to. All right. So he spent, <laughs> he talked the group into three sessions of trying to send toast and then zombies and undead to make Xanatar believe that toast made, made you turn undead. And he tr- put so much effort at the end of it. Like, yeah, we'll get it. And Xanatar <laughs> showed up as a death tyrant and proceeded to kick his butt. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't tell your players no too often. Are you, are you a permissible GM? You like, Hey, you were very much a yes. And kind of a GM or did you ever go look? No, you're not doing that. No, that's just impossible. No, no, I don't really enjoy saying no too much. Mm-hmm. I guess theater background, whatever there's, there's a way to do something most of the time. Mm-hmm. Luckily I didn't have a bard trying to seduce every Hydra and dragon, but lucky you. I know you want one. <laughs> you want one? <laughs> no, that was me when I played. Actually, it was oh, <laughs> now we know why you two are friends. Because <laughs> we're hilarious and cool. <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, no, for the most part, the the catapult was a rough one with the kobolds. But for the most part, they didn't really push a line where I couldn't say, yeah, we can make that work. We'll find a way for that. Hmm. Most of it was mechanical. Like, you know, I went the wrong way. I need to respec. Uh, it's, not how, it's not how it works. This is a video game where you just kind of, your, your guy can retire. If you don't like your fighter, cool. He can die, he can retire, whatever, and we can work that in. But for the most part, we can figure it out. Do you think that's because of the people? Like, did you were you selective? Was there anybody that you sort of like actively avoided or that you actively recruited? Or, or do you think really was it, that's just the 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 quality of player in in our in our fighting military today? No, no, no. The military is stupid. We're, we're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was very selective. Very selective. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just open to anybody that wanted to try. You were like, mm, I don't like the cut of your jib. Like, no. No, that's the army, not the D&D game. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about the, the D&D games. Was it open to anybody that wanted to try? Or were you like, mm, no. That's why I ran the, added the Friday game. Because okay. the, the, so the Monday game, I was very selective in because it had the commander of the dang base and things like that. Oh. So you don't want to put, private Joe Snuffy in the same room with him because then he's not going to be able to relax and the commander is not going to be able to relax. So for the most part, it was the upper tier of the base in one game and the, for lack of a better term, lower tier soldiers in the other game. So that way they could relax a little bit and not have that tension of, I don't want to say something stupid because commander's right there. So you're saying then that to a certain extent, the military chain of command hierarchy did kind of dictate. I mean, it had it was to be in the, it had to, it had to, you say, you say it, it just, it just has to. In order to create a experience where everyone can enjoy themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. is, is there, and with the national guards a little easier 
because we're all a closer group family than the active duty guys who are bred into I'm a private. He's the, he's an officer. We don't talk. Mm. You know, I met my commander before he was my commander. He was my second Lieutenant. And it was my job to train him on how to be an officer. So then when he became my commander, he of course went, yes, I want Basshole to come with me because I know what kind of soldier he is and what kind of person he is. Okay. So it breeds more of a family atmosphere, mm-hmm. but then you've got Joe who joined the unit six months ago, has met the commander twice, and is just, he's an 18-year-old kid. We're 35-year-old men. It's just a different dynamic. And mm-hmm. trying to keep that where we could all be ourselves and enjoy the game the way we want to enjoy it, it was easier to divide that. Okay. All right. I get that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Did you ever have any issues, uh, bet- like, player-to-player, like... Did anybody like? Did anything happen in game that ended up coming out of game? Anybody get upset? Take something personal? Um, we had a couple jokes uh, running around when the when one of the PCs killed, like fireball middle of the room, didn't measure it out right, and ended up killing two other guys plus himself. <laughs> it was a little hurt feelings, oh. not not to the point you know it came to blows, but yeah. def- definitely some hurt feelings for sure. But nothing that got to the point where we can't work to, together with each other. Yeah. For sure. Huh. Okay. Now, there's still a meme going around, and I, I will happen to all, if you ever hear this, I hate you, life is not in the fucking castle, um, that have stuck with us since we've been here. Mm-hmm. We had a couple times where we let other guys run a, a one-shot, and one of them was Heppenstall ran a, uh, a quick one-shot, had some frogs, and they asked us to clear out the castle. All right, well, what's in the castle? Well, life's in the castle, no matter who we asked. We asked the professor, didn't matter. And now, about every 20 minutes, somebody will just randomly text, life's in the castle, and it starts a text chain of, I hate you, Heppenstall, I hope you die in a fire. <laughs> but for the most part, it was all jokingly stuff like that. Nothing no, nothing angry, like, yeah. All right, that's, that's good. I mean, I like, to give, I like to give Cotton a lot of shit, because in the Shadowrun podcast, he... He betrayed my character. He shot me down. This is an um, opinion. And delivered me to my nemesis. But he says he did it out of love. So, you know, I like to give him shit about that every so often. Her ass was crazy. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> um, now, I yeah. will say I did have some hurt feelings at one point during the Wednesday game. Because I tried sacrificing myself for the group to let them escape. Mm-hmm. And they refused to let me do that. So they kidnapped me and we ran away. And like for the next two sessions, I was like, I'm just saying, we need a tank. And I tried to kill off the bard to give y'all a tank, and you wouldn't let me. <laughs> and now you get your face punched in, and too bad for you. <laughs> if only, if only, we will now TPK together, as apparently it was intended. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the normal stuff that GMs encounter, and it doesn't seem like you have to worry too much about those things, given the environment. But you just have other things to worry about instead. Yeah, there was there was definitely a lot of issues at the beginning mm-hmm. with players being in and out. And I will say, yeah. so we started, uh, it was seven people, I think I said, when we started the first game, once we got in country. And one guy was leaving like two weeks after we got there. He was the unit that we were replacing, but he's like, hey, I've played, let me play or let me see what's going on. So getting him in and then killing his character two sessions in, to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
And then other the other players who were new going, what do you mean you killed his character? You're not going to play him or he's not? No, he died. You won't see him again. It's okay. And that was kind of a way to show them. It's okay for your characters to die. You'll just come back with another one. How, how'd that go over? Was it like, damn, man? Like, or, or did, it, did it click? Or Because I, I get attached. Like, I, you know. Well, so the main one was, so Mad Mage has some interesting straight up will kill your character things. Um, and without spoiling it for anybody who hasn't played it yet, we ran into that like session two, brand new player had, has had one combat session and walks in the room, finds something, opens it and it's a tunable item, but he doesn't really, they don't detect magic, anything. We'll, we'll see what it does. Can I attend to it? You can, but understand you have no clue what this thing is. Yeah, it's totally fine. And it, no hands down, no saves, kill your character. And it was like, Sorry, bro. Here's his character sheet. Love you. Let me just get that from you. I'm just <laughs> so, Bass. I have uh, we have we have people that listen to the recording live while we're while we're talking, and Leal, who's listening, has a question for you. Send it. Did the idea of playing a mundane houses and humans style game to just give you a taste of home ever come up? I'm gonna need some background. I don't know that game. Uh, so like you know, like uh, you, it could be D and D, but maybe you were just like town folks, and you're just building the town, and somebody runs the inn, and somebody else has a farm, and you're just being normal people. No, no, flame, death, and destruction. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it didn't. You want it to be you. You enjoy your high fantasy. I want to run around with swords and shields and just mess things up. So the the guys we play with, so we're all artillerymen. It is bred into our body. We blow things up for a living. It's what we do, be through the supply guy, the commander, or whatever. We blow things up for a living. We're just blowing it up a different way. We don't want to be mundane. We don't enjoy that. That's not fun. Let's blow something up. Hmm. Okay. Was there, was there a lot of competition for these, like, wizard and sorcerer role? Like, fireball. Sounds about right. <laughs> Something's oh over there. How I don't want to be there. Users? Yeah. How many yeah. magic users versus just combat people? I I could barely get a martial character to play. Like I would have one fighter and maybe one rogue out of seven characters. Everybody else was an artillerist, artificer, a wizard, a warlock, a sorcerer. We blow things up. That, that is so funny that I call that. Or the, <laughs> that's how that is. Like it was your party's worst fear. Like something with a pointy stick that got within thirty feet. Yeah, but very few things did. They were up. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they got they put themselves in some horrible situations. By the way, whoever said that soldiers and army people in general should be great tacticians? I think I actually I made a Facebook post and someone said that we are not. When it comes to that is a standard D and D session. Everyone's going to stand there for twenty minutes and talk about the plan, and then no one's going to follow the plan, and it's just going to be a melee. So I did. <sighs> I would think you guys would spend a lot of time, you know, really strategizing. Everybody would have ideas on how to approach the situation. Everybody would, and you guys would figure out. Like I, I thought it would be highly strategized. Oh, they you're tried. Saying no. Oh, they tried. They tried. Right, they, tried. Very, okay. they tried very hard. They came up with some elaborate strategies, just like in every D and D session. I've ever, at least I've ever been a part of, where we have this glorious plan and it's going to work perfectly, <laughs> and it fell apart. Session or turn one because either initiative was out of order or one person just didn't pay attention. Fucking Muppets everywhere, man. Muppets, Muppets are everywhere. I mean, um, yeah. I, I'm just trying to figure like a table full of just all that magic. Like, my God. 
seven players and the majority are magic users like that just like to blow things up <laughs> I, bet com- I bet combat was fast one way or the other yeah <laughs> Uh, the combat never went past two t- two and a half turns for sure, yeah. but that didn't mean it was fast. Oh my god! You know, imagine you've got the one new player who's trying to learn how to play a wizard. Now mm-hmm. you've got six new players trying to learn how to play a wizard. <laughs> there were there were there were times where I'm just sitting there going, "Come on, guys, it's okay. Just you know you want to cast fireball. Just cast fireball." What did the base commander play? He stuck for the most part to uh, wizard. He started off actually as a fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look at you. I'm proud of you. Yeah. yeah. He, he retired that after about three sessions. <laughs> and he played two different types of wizards, a cleric, uh, a sorcerer, which, thank God, the sorcerer died because that sucker was a meta magic trying to weave everything in. Now, his turns, I think, by far took the longest because he was always trying to overthink it. Mm-hmm. At some point, just swing the sword. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then running... Every week for nine months, what's the highest level your characters achieved in your campaign? They got to 15. Final, wow. final session, they were level 15. Very nice. Yeah, they sure. were able to do a lot of stuff at 15. Yeah, definitely. And most of them had just gotten, I say, within the last month, had gotten new characters, save one. So they were all trying to learn level 15 characters mm-hmm. and do the final fight, which was very interesting. Very. What was your final fight? So our final fight was a siege over Vecna's tower against a former PC. So the the paladin uh, I told y'all about at the beginning that uh, worked for Vecna ended up, they finally figured out what was going on. He tried to kill a, a PC because there was no NPC around for him to do his daily murder. So he tried to take out the weakest one. They subdued him. Vecna brought him back to his stronghold. And they turned and stormed that, that stronghold. And it was... A melee of th- I gave them, you know, thousands of kobolds versus. Essentially, they had we had brought forth the uh, the shadow fell in that area, so it was a army battle where that actually they actually had some tacticians there or some tactics there. So I made them do a small war style uh, fight at that part before they got in and did the actual encounter with the boss. I think that might have been the only time they sh- they showed strategy that followed the whole fight through. And it was kind of a, a cinematic battle versus dice rolling. Did you have any players that you felt like really got it in terms of roleplay? Like over time, like had never played before, and then like, you know, they kind of went along that, that journey? So uh, Michael Jordan, who was the paladin, by far his character was... Uh, the most had the most growth. He had never played D and D before, but he got in, you know, made a gimmick character. I'm going to be Michael Jordan. I'm a six foot tall black man who worships an evil God. I don't know why he decided that, but he just needed a God. And I told him, Hey, try this God named Vecna. He read it and went, that sounds great. Went with that. And his, the way he slowly developed his character where it was so hard for the other PCs to understand his intentions but you could tell he was always working on it in the background of every decision his character made was very well done. And I'm very happy. Actually, he was part of the Wednesday game as well. And in that game, his drunkard Koski was again, another character that just, he understood the role play and was willing to delve into it when it was time to go. He completely developed into the character. Very cool. Very cool. And there were, there were others that were just numbers. So, you know, I, yeah. Okay. Cool. I make a. I make a seven. 
and then but he was by far the the top tier of actually getting into his character. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. He was he used a fifty cal bullet as his uh as his token on the battle map, and that was it. <laughs> his, oh, his token was what, what? What were the other tokens? The player tokens. Because you had dice for the monsters. So I had dice for the monsters. Everybody else changed. So we the commander used a coke bottle tab because he could never remember his token. So he'd always the the Pepsi that he brought in, he'd crack it open, and that was his token that he ripped off his can. <laughs> Um, I had guys who, you know, one of my characters, the guy who DM'd the Wednesday game, he ordered Dun uh, Hero Forge for all of his characters, and that was his token. So he was the only one with a Hero Forge character on the table. Wow. Other people were rocks. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, the 50 cal bullet had one that had an expended 50 cal uh, cartridge. Um, other people were um, paper clips, simple things. One guy make, made a stick figure, drew it out, cut it out, and propped it up. Mm -hmm. uh, and then. Yeah. <laughs> and the other guy was just, uh, here's a D4. That's me. Mm -hmm. Oh. So, uh, Bass, have you ever played Call of Cthulhu? I have not. I've heard it's pretty awesome, but I haven't got into it. All right, all right. I'm going to put that in my back, that piece of information in my back pocket. But Call of Cthulhu also has another branch called Delta Green, which is a, a military squad has to go and deal with these terrible horrors and uh, elder gods and, and weird things happening. I wonder if that would be one to run. Uh, for you to run and see how they liked that, or is that too close to home? I mean, I don't see uh, how it would be anything too close to home. I think it would be. Mm -hmm. I said these guys were just big on anything different. Yeah. So, like, with the aliens campaign, with the Moscow twenty thirty three campaign, we were just as long as it wasn't that country in the desert in the hot, we were happy. There you go. Hmm. Well, Eberron's out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Eberron campaign Eberron. didn't happen. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in the hot desert. Shit! I thought we were leaving the hot <laughs> desert. <laughs> well, no, this, is, uh, this has been great talking to you. I'm happy you had time to come on and talk to us about it. I'm fascinated at running a game over in, in that kind of a situation. I still think I, I, I think I would find it very difficult. Like, I wouldn't... I don't, I don't know. So, kudos to you. And thank you for creating more gamers by allowing the new people to play. Oh no! It was it was an absolute blast, and mm -hmm. we've got a couple of new DMs who tried some DMing while we were over there. It was my break. Whenever I was like, "I'm so tired," someone mm -hmm. would make the mistake of saying, "I think I could run a game." Perfect. You're running. A, <laughs> I, yeah. outranked, I outranked most of them, so perfect. You're running a game in two weeks. Prepare. <laughs> Prepare. Nice. How'd they do? They did really well Good. for the most part. Like I said, Heppenstall, I still want to murder him for the life that's in the castle. But we'll get past that. <laughs> we have <laughs> work past it. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of them, uh, really, actually, in depth story. Did, you know, the traditional uh, kids are missing. I say traditional kids are missing in the area. Guys kidnapping children, and went really, really dark. Where he ended up using little kids as suicide bombers, mind controlled to attack us. It was weird and crazy, and we loved it because why? None of us thought about it. You know, Jupiter mentioned the difficulties of running of running of running a game overseas, and that's exactly the main reason I didn't join the uh, the armed services. That's really like the top top one of the top three. So we appreciate what you do out there, Bass. Appreciate your service. There oh, you go. Yeah, I appreciate your support, support Cotton. <laughs> I appreciate that Cotton didn't go over there. We all do. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's it's going to be owned by not America. If that's what we're <laughs> 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 oh, just fucked it up. Sorry.
But no, overall, it D and D was something we could do a couple nights a week when it was just. I don't want to go sit and watch Netflix on my TV. I don't, you know, there's only so much Pornhub you can download. I just, <laughs> I just need something else to do. So <laughs> You've heard it here first. After the great deletening, it, uh, <laughs> there's only so much you can do. So, you know, we just, you need something else to go do and getting a yeah. bunch of people around the table. You know, you had your, your spades game going over here. You had other guys playing dominoes. Other guys playing, brought their PS4. And then you played D and D. It worked out well. That's great. Posted a couple times on Facebook and actually got some support from some people back home. A place called Crack and Dice sent us out probably seventeen full sets of D twenty through D six. It was great to have. Got a lot of the new players who didn't bring dice got their own sets, things like that. So I appreciated that a lot. Well, that's really great. No, it's great that you got that support too. No, oh, wonderful. Cotton, do you have anything else? Because our, our hour is up. Our, our, it's our time. Our time wanes. Our time wanes, sir. Oh, man. I think we we covered a lot of stuff that I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Is there anything you would have done differently? or Is there any question that we should have asked? Is there some interesting answer you had in your back pocket to the question we forgot to ask? Oh. Probably all reverso. That's how you screw your guest over on your podcast. I appreciate that. I think the the only thing I would have maybe done differently is when I sat down and did that like the zero session, kind of flushed out more. Hey, expect this out of the world, so that way when when they come in, you're not surprised. You know, some people didn't know a lot of the races, a lot of the characters, mm-hmm. so it was hard for them to get that immersion because they didn't know what the difference between a goblin or a hobgoblin was. So when I say the hobgoblins are in charge. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's just a green dude, right? Well, there's a there's a mm-hmm. small subtle difference. It's not bugbear versus goblin, but there's a difference. Mm-hmm. So letting my character or my players know what the world was a little more, and having them more in, ingrained with that, and maybe have had some way for them to see what the characters, the creatures look like. Internet went out, and I try and describe a. Um, I'm sorry, forgive me. Uh, so the, the lion, dragon, goat head creature, manticore, I think. Mm. You know, they have no way to picture that in their brain. So having something like that downloaded, say, hey, this is what the creature looks like, would have been a lot better for them. Yeah, cool. I can okay. see that. I can see that. New players need to learn the, the setting. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. Cool. Thank you again, Bass, for joining us tonight. Oh, thank uh, you all for having me. Great. It was a blast. Oh. Yeah, thanks, man. And um, hopefully you'll stay in the server and uh, chit-chat with all of us. Might be reaching out uh, about a Call of Cthulhu game in the future. We'll see. Heck yeah. All right. A one-shot. A nice little one-shot. Oh, all I'm right. dead. <laughs> no, every, nobody dies at Cthulhu. Yes, my line face is on. I'm sure. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Out of Character. Thank you, Cotton, for this suggestion and for bringing Bass on. Great, Absolutely. Great one. I try. Good. I have cool yeah. friends. What, what can I say? <laughs> I know. I'm glad one of us does. So well, we can yeah. have guests. <laughs> so we can have guests because you have cool friends. Oh, that's good. That's you great. keep pluralizing that word. It's, what? It's friend. Oh, he has cool friend. friend. I see. I get I have it. cool uh, friend. Oh. Mm. <laughs> see, I like him, Cotton. He and I can just, you know, bash you. It's fun. That's fine. 
it's just, th th today's episode brought by Haterade. 